my mind, she is the least qualified nominee in a historically unqualified cabinet. I remain convinced that yes, the future is female. A lot of bad people are thinking about, hey, let's go in right now. It's common sense. You know, some things are law, and I'm all in favor of that. And some things are common sense. This is common sense. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. And welcome this Tuesday edition of the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast on iTunes, on NeilACaruso.com, and a pleasure to have you with us on this program. A lot to get to on this busy Tuesday. Uh, we're here in New York. We're a nasty day today. It's going to be 60 degrees apparently tomorrow, and then uh, it's going to be snowing. Uh, I guess blizzard-like conditions on Thursday. That's just how it goes here in February uh, up in the Northeast. Uh, Patriots had their Super Bowl parade today, actually. Uh, some nasty weather and a good day for uh, Patriots fans, so congratulations to them. We talked a lot about that on yesterday's podcast, and we won't talk about sports today, um, but we do have a lot to get to, and I want to start first with the Betsy DeVos confirmation uh, that the Senate uh, finally put forth today. You know, the Democrats just have been trying to fight every single battle, and because of that, they weren't able to stop DeVos from being the education secretary who they've been vehemently opposed to um, for multiple reasons. But uh, I found it very interesting because I'm looking at her record, and she's similar to Trump in a certain way, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But, you know, I look at who uh, voted for DeVos and who voted uh, against DeVos. Two Republicans that voted against DeVos, and obviously that's a story. But I'm looking at the states specifically because if I mention names, you're not going to know who I'm talking about uh, unless it's your politician. Uh, your congressman or congresswoman. Um, The interesting thing was you're having senators from Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Florida, all states that voted for President Trump, and they voted against DeVos. Now, there was a Montana um, senator this morning on, on cable news saying that as a Republican, he felt it was his duty. He had to vote for DeVos, but it was really because he's in a, in a uh, re-election year, and if he voted against the president's nomination, well, his people could vote him out. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at the Rust Belt. I'm looking at states, blue states that went red for Trump that are now red because the Democrats largely ignored these people. Hillary didn't go to Minnesota or Michigan especially that last month. She ignored these people. Um, That's just the fact. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, well, it's interesting because these same people that voted for Trump, these blue-collar workers, well, they could very well vote Republican in uh, the next election. 
and vote these congressmen and congresswomen who voted against DeVos, who have been uh, voting against Trump and trying to obstruct his policies, they could vote Trump out. That's the power that the voter has. Um, and I don't think – and I'll talk about this too is – and I've said this before. I don't think Trump is a political guy. I really think he's more of a common sense guy, and you heard him say that um, in the intro. It's about common sense as that goes to the immigration, and that's in our next portion. But let's look at Betsy DeVos's record. To me, she's like Donald Trump in the fact that she's an outsider. Um, she's been an uh, activist of school choice for about three decades, and you know, you look at her record, and okay, she doesn't have experience when it pertains to political experience, but, you know, people voted against that in November, and they said, hey, we don't want uh, someone who is part of the swamp, and I think this pick by Trump is part of draining the swamp. Let's get someone new in there. Let's get someone who has um, a vision outside and understands how education affects uh, our public and our um, the people uh, in the workforce, and let's properly prepare them. And we talked about that a lot yesterday's podcast. Um, the fact that you know the educational system, well, number one, they indoctrinate politically, and you know you have people in inner cities who are struggling. Um, that's just clear. And you look at the numbers: forty-three million Americans in poverty. 13 million Americans, 13 million or more Americans since 2009 on food stamps and the lowest labor participation rate since the 1970s. Um, you know, when you have that kind of record, it's time for a change. And education is crucial. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But the proper education uh, is necessary. So the one thing that scared me about DeVos. Uh, or concerned me, I should say, was that she used to be for Common Core, but she apparently has reversed on that. So I guess over her career, she um, evolved, so to speak, on that. Um, she's been against Common Core recently. Um, uh, charter schools and, and school vouchers, she is uh, very much in favor of. And, you know, the Democrats like to scare people, and really both sides, this is politics in general, but they scare People saying, oh, they're they're trying to hurt your kids and, and they want to privatize education. First of all, privatization, you can't really privatize education 100% because you need um, support from the government and a charter school has uh, sponsorship from the government. So that's not really privatization, but it's a, it's a better um, platform for students to develop uh, trades and to um, – go against the traditional political sense. I mean, you look at the stats. We're, what, 25th as a country in mathematics? I don't know whether that's changed or not. Um, 25th in math, 20-something in science and, and English. We're pathetic, all right? The point is that we should not be 25th in math, science, English. We should be in the top five. This is the United States of America, and, you know, People come here from China. They come from all over. We train them. Business schools, um, you know, engineering, they come here. But then they go back and they practice their trade in their home country. But we're not doing a great job of educating our kids. We're doing a great job of indoctrinating. 
Um, you know, I know young kids who are being told during the election cycle that it's their, as a female, it is their, and we'll talk about this later, is their right that they have to vote for a female president because she's on the ballot. Well, if you don't like her policy, you don't have to vote for her. Um, and that's, that's where policy and education is important, and I wish education be focused on, okay, um, you're a law student, let's read the law. What does the law say in terms of the immigration suspension? I'm not a lawyer. I read it. It's not a Muslim bad. <laughs> and I made that clear yesterday. Um, you know, there's also a lot of em uh, emphasis on education. Not everyone is suited for um, a four-year education, which is fine. Um, I think trade schools are a very viable option. I mean, we don't have – I mean, listen, if you've had a leak in your – you know, a pipe leak or any sort of uh, construction being done – you know that there really aren't that many great and honest um, tradesmen and tradeswomen. Um, you know, plumbing, construction, electricians, these are all great trades that people can learn. And if they're not the smartest when it comes to math or science, they can learn a trade, be great with their hands, and they can make a great living. In fact, wages are, are good. Um, benefits. If you work for the city, you get a pension. It's not a bad option. Okay. In many cases, they go out on their own. They, you know, own their own business and they even do better uh, than people in uh, big industries. Uh, so, you know, trade schools are another option. I don't know why we put so much emphasis on, on education. While it's important, not everyone is suited for that, and I think a lot of people waste a lot of money by going to college uh, when, listen, they're not the best student, but they have a great trade. Develop that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, that's there's a stigma against that. You know, you hear that word a lot from the left on certain issues. There's a big stigma against, um, you know, poor educated people. Um, you know, just because you don't go to college, I mean, look at Steve Jobs, Okay. Look at a lot of people who didn't go to college and had an excellent career. Um, but, you know, you look at the inner cities, and Donald Trump talked a lot about the inner city carnage that is going on. You know, Chicago, 57% uh, rise in homicides, gang violence up. And, you know, education is a big part of this because people are on the streets and they're not being, uh, you know, a lot of people are trying are seeking a better life, and a lot of them get stuck uh, in these inner cities. And so when you're talking about, you know, why do they get stuck? Why are they not being educated properly? Well, charter schools can be a good option, but you know, Ben Carson once said, talked about growing up, and that his mother, you know, grew up in Detroit, and his mother was a maid for, you know, very rich people who go to their homes. And she brought Ben Carson along one day when he was a little kid, and he was on vacation from school, winter break or whatever, and introduced him to what uh, how the other half lives, but the opposite of what Jacob Reese, the muckraker, talked about, which is how successful people, I'm not going to say wealthy, I'm going to say successful people, um, live. And... You know, he was inspired by that, and he said that, you know, as a kid, he would 
be a bit of a problem. He wasn't reading, he didn't like studying, and he saw a lot of people his age dying. You know, this is a, I think like he was like 12 years old or something, and he's seeing people dying on the, you know, dying because of gangs, and, and they're getting caught up in the wrong things and drugs. And this still goes on. Not, not much has changed, which is why Trump ran for president in the first place. And when Ben Carson went to these people's homes, his mom said, well, what do you think? Well, I'd love to live like this someday. Well, wouldn't we all, right? And Ben Carson's mom said, the only way you get to this point is hard work, study, read, and all of that. And guess what? Ben Carson did just that, became the best neurosurgeon in the world. And he, he was funny. He said uh, he actually said this in um, his confirmation hearing in front of the Senate, uh, I guess, what was this, a month ago or so. And he said, I started getting arrogant. The kids that you know I used to hang around with and were asking me for help in school. And he said, yeah, sure, sit, sit at the edge of my bed, on the bottom of my feet, and uh, I'll teach you. Grovel a little bit. <laughs> funny um and maybe you got a little bit arrogant but he he's one of the brightest minds in the world and it was because he saw what he wanted to live like he saw a goal and he wanted to achieve it and he put his mind to it hard work always pays off i said that yesterday i say that all the time hard work always pays off but with a lot of politicians mostly liberal democrats but you know I find it's a political thing is that they want you to stay where you are so that there's a need for government um, and government interference. Now, government plays a role, but big government is dangerous, and I'll tell you why, where I'm coming from on this. And obviously, you could disagree, and that's fine. But if you want to achieve something, you work hard, why is it that you have to that people are still stuck in these inner cities. Well, I find that a lot of politicians, especially Democrats, play, you know, blame game. That there, there's a, you know, I talked about the winning mentality on yesterday's podcast about Tom Brady and the Patriots, a winning mentality. They have what's called a victim mentality that they blame everyone else, that you can't be blamed for your situation, no responsibility, that it's someone else's fault. It's the rich's fault. It's the wealthy people. They're ripping you off. They take advantage. Not really, especially the people who create jobs. You know, look at these inner cities. Detroit, the auto industry, they left. Now, thanks to President Trump, and I've been doing this on my Facebook page. I've been doing a recurring series called Big League Jobs. Obviously, that's, you know, Donald Trump saying his, uh, you know, his phrase. Says, Big, Big League. League. There you go. Big league. Big league. Big league jobs. <laughs> and I talk about the 13 major announcements that have come out. Ford, Carrier, GM, Fiat Chrysler. list goes on and on. Alibaba. The investments that have been made. I think over $62.7 billion invested off the top of my head. Invested into the United States since Trump was elected on November 8th. Because of his pro-business, pro-growth policies that puts people to work. How, you ask? Well, lower taxes, a lower corporate tax rate. You Now, they can spend money uh, on investing in the United States. They can spend money on hiring people to work. You ease the regulatory bur burden, as Trump signed last week in an executive order. You ease that burden, and now 
Um, instead of spending days that add up to weeks and months of the year on nonsense regulations and stupid auditors, now you're actually working and you're allowing people to grow in your company. Okay, and this is, you know, the conservative economic theory. But the liberals, they want big government. They want to find a need for government to help. And, you, you know, there's no responsibility because it's not your fault. It's the wealthy. It's, you know, the big business who are screwing you. It's really not the case. It's a, it's a big misnomer. Um, and they create a need for big government programs. I mean, look, 13 million more Americans on food stamps. Is that necessary? Why can't Reagan, well, I want to talk about something later with Ronald Reagan at UC Berkeley that I found today, and I talked about that yesterday and want to connect what he said because it's very similar to how Trump is acting and, and making policy, national security policy, and with these schools. And, you know, these inner cities really... You have too big of of government that are creating these, this welfare state. And, you know, why can't we get people jobs? You know, even if it's, you know, and people work hard. They work two, three jobs, okay? And these used to be typical Democratic voters, these blue-collar workers in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. They voted for Donald Trump because he gets the value of hard work. The guy grew up on construction sites. Yes, he's a billionaire. They call him a blue-collar um, uh, uh, billionaire because he's out there on the construction sites talking to these guys. He understands where they're coming from. He understands unions. He understands all of that. But, you know, today the headlines are saying it's a sad day for children. That's the headline from the Democrats. It's a sad day for children. They either talk about a sad day for children they talk about um, seniors uh, and that Republicans are trying to take away your health care. It's not true. Okay? It's a difference between a sad day for children and a sad day for the teachers' unions. Now, the unions are not doing as well as they used to. And we see that as a result of this election. It's a repudiation of these unions. You know? And... You know, there's that old phrase that I'm reminded of today, power corrupts. Unions got a lot of power. And, you know, where are the changes? The money flows into the unions. They go into the public schools. Where are the changes? Teachers last forever in the public school system. You, you know, the, the bad teachers, the ones who are indoctrinating, are not teaching the subjects, are maybe lousy people or they're just not effective and the grades show it, nothing happens to them. They're not fired as they should be. And then on the flip side, the very good teachers, the successful ones, they put their own money, hard work, their sweat into educating our kids. And there are a lot of great teachers out there, a lot of people that are not going into teaching these days. But those great teachers, they're not rewarded for their hard work. And they should be. You should be rewarded for success. If you earn something, then you earn it. You shouldn't just be given something just because 
you're a human being. It takes hard work, it takes perseverance, and it takes motivation and determination. I sound like a, uh, a motivation speaker, but I'm serious. To say they for teachers' unions, not for children. Uh, Betsy DeVos, I think, is qualifying the fact that she's an outsider who really wants to implement school choice and let parents choose the schools for the kids and get them out of these inner cities. We need to clean it up on every level, and education is a big part of that. Now, these Democrats are fighting every battle, and that's why they're just going to lose on DeVos. If they just fought her, maybe they would win. Two Republicans switch, and Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, had to uh, break the tie. Um, Obama and Bush both had seven cabinet appointees on day one. Trump right now is up to six confirms, and there are over 650 confirmations still needed to be done, and his top-level cabinet is still not in. Senator Jeff Sessions, who is highly qualified, has a— very, very good civil rights record. He um, prosecuted the KKK, led to their um, downfall in Alabama. And if you read about that, it's incredible what he did. Um, he desegregated schools down there. But that's not the talking point. But Senator Sessions goes to Capitol tomorrow. He should be confirmed as attorney general. It's about time we have an attorney general. Right now, you know, Trump is working at Godspeed. The guy does not stop. He is probably the hardest worker ever. He sleeps about four hours a night. Doubt that's really healthy. But he's such a, a workaholic, and he won't describe himself that way, but he's such a workaholic, and he puts his blood, sweat, and tears into everything and really works hard. And what is it? Just obstruction, 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 and it's politics. Easy for me to say three times fast, right? And it's just politics. It's the it's the games that go on. And Trump is all about on time and under budget, not bureaucracy. And he wants to work with the people he appointed, not the Obama administration that was repudiated. And a lot of those people are still in the cabinet positions. Now, this evening, as we speak, and I haven't got any um, alerts, uh, judges fired tough questions at both sides uh, in hearing over Trump's travel ban promising a quick ruling. That's from the Wall Street Journal this evening. Um, so as we, as I'm recording this, arguments uh, in the immigration and refugee suspension is taking place. So I'll tell you, so they had 30 minutes on each side. Um, the DOJ uh, filed a brief. You have the uh, United States government and then uh, the other side of it uh, arguing and, you know, the ACLU filed a case brief, all that. So this is what's taking place is that you know Judge uh, James uh, Robart, who in the Ninth District Court, one of the most liberal courts in the country, um, basically put a, a restraining order on Trump's immigration and suspension, immigration refugee suspension program uh, that uh, prevents uh Immigrants are coming in from these uh, nations unless they have a green card, seven uh, terror nations. And so this week we're going to find out the result of this, of this um, uh, case that's going on in the Court of Appeals, this appeals case, that's basically going to be a result on whether this restraining order that Judge Robart 
put on Trump's executive order, whether or not that is appropriate. Now, if they rule that it's appropriate, the executive order is law, and that becomes put in place again. If it's ruled inappropriate, and that's highly likely, that means that it's going to have to go to the next level, and I see this case going to the Supreme Court. Now, that could be tricky for the Trump administration because, obviously, Neil Gorsuch has been nominated. He has not been confirmed yet. And, you know, obviously um, has to go through the process. So you basically have a 4-4 split in the Supreme Court, and that's given that Justice Kennedy goes sides with the conservatives. He kind of flips back and forth. You always had, when you had Scalia, he was a steadfast conservative, as is Judge Roberts and Clarence Thomas. And then on the other side, you know, Judge uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, you know, uh, the liberal judges, so does Sotomayor. But Kennedy flips back and forth, and it's going to be really up to him. And if it's a tie, the executive order, if this goes to the Supreme Court with Daniel Gorsuch, confirms, and the Democrats say they're going to uh, fight him even though he's highly qualified and really, unless it's in a the last year of the lame duck presidency, if you're qualified, you're qualified. It has nothing to do with your um, your leaning, political leaning of whether or not you get accepted, but in this highly charged political environment, the Democrats are going to obstruct. Um, but Justice Kennedy has the power here because if he sides with the Democrats, executive order is unconstitutional. But if he sides with uh, the conservatives, then it stays in as law. The problem is that it's too late, okay? And we're not at the constitutionality phase yet. This appeals, just to be clear, this appeals phase is only uh, a result of whether or not um, Judge Robart's restraining order was appropriate. Now, this judge has a heck of a record. Um, he openly uh, gave support to, to like a shock in, in the courtroom uh, gave support to um, Black Lives Matter and you know and you know we know they're not inclusive um, and that's a radical group and for a judge to make that kind of drastic statement is um, particularly, inappropriate and, and damaging. So that's one thing. His second thing that I saw today, this Judge Robart, okay, in Seattle, said no terrorist, terrorist attack has occurred in these seven nations. Well, that's just not true, okay? And, you know, there was a big story today about um, whether or not uh, in this, uh, whether or not the media has reported on terror attacks and whether or not they've been fair and the media goes, well, we covered everything. We were there in Brussels and Berlin and San Bernardino and Orlando and Boston. Uh, there's so many. Oh, my God. Just thinking about it, there's so many. And he goes, there's no terrorist attack from the Seven Nations since 9-11. What's the comment? Not true. Iran and Somalia found. Okay, Now, if I didn't know this, a lot of people don't know this. Not to be... Um, braggadocious and and knowledge it's just i study this and or in iran and somalia not only did they influence attacks but there were um direct uh attacks on our country 
an attempted attacks, but there were no casualties. And that's why it wasn't widely reported. And so, you know, when they make this claim, the Trump administration and Kellyanne Conway is getting flack today about, um, well, you know, uh, these are alternative facts and you're just flat out lying, Kellyanne, because uh, we covered everything and we were there and this list, you, it's only radical Islam and facts are the facts. And there are cases that are, they put out, um, the Guardian put out a full list of uh, everything that the White House released is what I saw. And they have a very weird take on it. Um, I mean, you know, the fact is, during this time period that the White House released, this is what occurred in the world. I'm not going to read them. They're like 80 attacks. You could read them for yourself if you're interested. But they're inspired by ISIS, and that has to deal with cybersecurity too, and that's a major thing that we need to tackle because um, we need to prevent these attacks and these inspired attacks. And sometimes they're U.S. citizens. San Bernardino um, you know, a U.S. citizen, Orlando, Omar Mateen was a U.S. citizen. His father had ties to Afghanistan, uh, Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. This should be vetted. Um, Boston Bombers, okay, they were interviewed by the FBI, Zarnayev, the older brother. And the father even said he was radicalized, and he was back and forth from the Middle East. That should have been caught. These are preventable. If you have a proper cybersecurity plan in place and you vet people who come in so you know who's coming in, especially from these seven nations. And I would add, by the way, Saudi Arabia. And I would add other places. But here's the deal. We're dependent. You don't, This is the details uh, of things that people don't talk about. They're, we're dependent on Saudi Arabia oil. And President Obama um, signed an executive order days before he left office to limit President Trump and his administration from fracking in North America. Why not? Why can't we explore? We have, we're so rich in oil and resources, but we don't explore that. And so we're dependent on terror nations. And they give money to political campaigns. Not to Trump, but to other politicians. It's so tricky. And we need to do something about it. So um, the arguments there at the court just about whether or not this was appropriate from Judge Robart. We know there's been terror attacks inspired from these nations. And we need to know who's coming into our country. That's the basics. Nothing to do with religion. Um, now, you know, I talk about a lot about Democrats um, and their obstructions. Okay? And obstructing really the president's authority to keep Americans safe. And they're gambling with the lives of Americans, with our lives. But, you know, Republicans aren't really the sweetest either. And this is where Trump was elected because a lot of people say I'm sick of the political games. I want someone to tell us it the way it is who's going to be honest and frank. And you look at Obamacare. Now they're talking about repairing, not repeal and replace. I'm sorry. When do we ever say repair? When when you're getting premium increases of 118% in Arizona and deductibles so high you can't even use your insurance. There's no repairing that. Okay? So that's, you know, on Paul Ryan and Lindsey Graham and John McCain and those characters. And Trump said this week, I want to get it done this year. I want to change this. Now, it has to be done right. 
but you got to keep the promise of repealing and replacing it with health savings accounts. You got to get rid of the state lines. This is what Trump ran on, on his ambitious agenda. And I actually have his contract with the American voter on a clipboard to keep track of all the things that he's promised. And these are things that, if they don't get done, this is what his legacies will be defined on. And the Republicans are blocking him on that regard. Um, they're delaying tax cuts. That's the latest today. They're actually going against conservative policy. I don't understand why. And they're falling into the political game. So now if we delay, that makes it harder to implement that. It makes it harder to reduce um, the corporate tax rate to 15. That makes it harder to uh, repatriate money for 10% from other uh, that went that left America and simplify the tax code because that tax code is ridiculous and reduce the tax brackets to three. It makes it more difficult. Trump is only signing executive orders right now because he has to undo what President Obama did. And he's working at the speed of light. Eventually, he's going to get everything that he could get done. And then it's time for legislation. It's time for action from these lawmakers and the people that work for us. We pay their salaries. Um, you know, it's interesting, though, on the Obamacare note, I saw something interesting today. Really fascinating and sad at the same time. 35% of Americans, this is according to a uh, morning console poll that was in the New York Times today, 35% of Americans do not know that Obamacare is also the Affordable Health Care Act. That's the same thing. That's just sad. Over a third of Americans don't know that Obamacare is also the Affordable Health Care Act. Education, education. Um, Iran today, a Fox News exclusive, got to credit them for this reporting. Um, you know, they do some excellent reporting on the military. Uh now, the Trump administration, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, put Iran on notice. Gen uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn uh, went out there last week and said, we're putting Iran on notice. Well, today it was reported by Fox News that Iran removed a powerful missile from a launch pad east of Tehran uh, within the past few days. Uh, and um, the Pentagon uh, was concerned because Saphir missiles— which use the same components as those needed for an inter uh, intercontinental ballistic missile, was being put on a launch pad and being set up. And so Fox News found out that they, Tehran and Iran, uh, removed the powerful missile that could blow up and make a lot of damage. So we put them on notice. I want to mess with President Trump because he'll react. And unlike the Obama administration sending $700 million in cash overnight in a plane, Trump's not going to do that. Trump's going to take action. This is the largest state sponsor of terrorism, and there's no messing around. Um, all right, I want to tell you about an organization called Our Heroes Night Out. Um, you know— I always talk about our veterans and how we must support them. Well, we really do. And I'll tell you about this organization does an amazing job. I mean, especially with 39,500 U.S. veterans homeless on a given night, 41% of homeless vets, um, actually between the ages of 31 and 50, they're young. 
And so you have to do your part to help out and get back to our heroes. Our Heroes Night Out, a nonprofit organization that helps and supports U.S. veterans by having gatherings with homeless vets at the United Veterans Beacon House at the Northport VA on Long Island, New York, where we are broadcasting uh, not too far from. Uh, Carol Klein, wonderful lady, and her husband, Mark. I never met Mark, actually, but uh, I know Carol well now, and they run our Heroes Night Out. Carol's brother served in the Air Force in Vietnam. Her son-in-law is a Marines vet, and her nephew is currently serving in the Navy, just deployed. Well, our veterans just need people to talk to about everything from the weather to sports to the news. Share your time and give back to those who risk their lives and suffer each and every day for our freedom and our nation's sovereignty. These are the men and women on the line. So it's a good grassroots organization. Visit mismatchtheclown.com. She has a a whole uh, business, but a big part of it is veterans uh, and giving back and just spending your time. It's the most valuable thing you could do. Mismatchtheclown.com. You could also call Carol Klein directly, 516-579-6524, 516-579-6524, to do your part as a free American citizen. Mismatchtheclown.com. I'm a proud supporter of the U.S. Armed Forces and U.S. veterans, and I highly recommend our Heroes Night Out as a trusted charity giving back directly to those who serve, making an impact by doing so. Our Heroes Night Out of Long Island, thank you, and God bless all those who have and continue to serve the United States of America. We'll come back with uh, what Ronald Reagan did at UC Berkeley, similar to Trump's actions and what I think Trump should do, which is deploy the National Guard. More on that. And also, Hillary Clinton and President Barack Obama, well, they just won't go away. So uh, we'll have more on that after the break. Real quick, and we'll be back. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Crusoe is winning every day. This is the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast on NeilACrusoe.com and on iTunes. Subscribe now. All right, we're just winning. We're winning, baby. Uh, all right, we're back here on the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast. So before we wrap things up for this Tuesday, um, I want to talk about uh, Ronald Reagan. Yesterday, obviously, his birthday, and we talked about that. Well, 
you know, we also talked about UC Berkeley and the the riots that were going on. I mean, they were they were setting their own campus on fire and throwing rocks at police, destroying property. Well, UC Berkeley was the location of the free speech movement in the 60s. And Ronald Reagan was the governor of California, as you may know, uh, in the late 60s. And, you know, it was fascinating uh, reading this press release, actually. Uh, it was an obituary, sad, uh, an obituary um, that UC Berkeley put out. And it reads this. This is how it starts. Uh, this is from the writer here, Jeffrey Kahn. Ronald Reagan launched political career using the Berkeley campus as a target. I've seen no, this is biased. Uh, Ronald Reagan launched his political career in 1966 by targeting UC Berkeley student peace activists, professors, and to a great extent, the University of California itself. In his successful campaign for governor of California, his first elective office, he attacked the Berkeley campus, cementing what would remain a turbulent relationship between Reagan and California's leading institution for public higher education. Quote, this was not a happy relationship between the governor and the university. You have to acknowledge it, recalled uh, Neil Smeltzer, who was a Berkeley professor of sociology during the Reagan years. Uh, he continued, as a matter of Reagan's honest convictions, but also as a matter of politics, Reagan launched an assault on the university. End quote. Okay, now the truth, if you do your research on this, what Reagan, this, this is terrible, for an obituary, the guy died, and this was published in 2004 after his death, the same year as his death. And if you actually look at what Ronald Reagan uh, did, there were riots going on at UC Berkeley, similar to that one, where a lot of people were being hurt. And it was nonsense, okay? And he said, uh, famously, and this is in the press release, he said, get them out of there, throw them out. They are spoiled and don't deserve the education they are getting. They don't have a right to take advantage of our system of education. Sounds a lot like President Trump. Get him out of there. See ya. And what Reagan did was, in reality, he said we can't have riots. We can't have people getting hurt. Protesting, good. Free speech, good. But you can't use your free speech to hurt other people's free speech. And we can't be setting our own country on fire when there are real people real terrorists who want to do greater harm, and they just laugh at us then. And so what Reagan did was he deployed the National Guard, and he cleaned it up. And it was successful in the fact that he made sure that the crime, uh, you know, and the carnage that was going on in on the UC Berkeley campus stopped. He put an end to it. He didn't use excessive force he did what he had to do and he said stop it we're not going to tolerate rioting and um we're going to have what he actually called law and order that's what trump says law and order we can't have mayhem in our own campuses and cities uh so i found that very interesting um uh, barack obama and hillary clinton won't go away um Starting Obama, that he was parasailing today. I don't care. He was on a private island. I'm only bringing it up because it was in the news, and and they're saying like you know on a lot of these networks, oh, our former president, he's windsurfing on a private island with a billionaire who gave him access to. It. I don't care, honestly. 
we don't need to see videos of him. I'm glad he's enjoying his vacation. He also vacationed a lot uh, in his eight years as president. You know, they say, well, you know, Trump cost taxpayers $3 million last weekend. We're going to Mar-a-Lago. He worked all weekend. Okay, yeah, he flew to Mar-a-Lago to work. He had meetings all day. It's also nice that he got to see his family because his family obviously needs to – I feel bad for Barron. And he needs to go to class and not be, um, you know, indoctrinated at all or be too um, swept on the politics. I feel bad for that kid. Um, and kids are always off limits. Always. Um, all right. Hillary Clinton yesterday was at the Makers Conference, a California-gathered uh, group on women's leadership. I'll let you hear what Hillary Clinton, former Secretary of State and First Lady, had to say. I'm proud to be a maker and to support Makers' mission to share women's stories and celebrate women's vital roles in the past, present, and future of our country. Despite all the challenges we face, I remain convinced that, yes, the future is female. Just look at the amazing energy we saw last month as women organized a march that galvanized millions of people all over our country and across the world. Now more than ever, we need to stay focused on the theme of this year's conference, Be Bold. We need strong women to step up and speak out. We need you to dare greatly and lead boldly. So please, set an example for every woman and girl out there who's worried about what the future holds and wonders whether our rights, opportunities, and values will endure. And remember, you are the heroes and history makers, the glass ceiling breakers of the future. As I've said before, I'll say again, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world. So thank you, makers. <laughs> oh, thank you, Hillary. Um, so, first of all, remember when, uh, well, first of all, what's with, oh, we will see if our rights, our opportunities, and our values will endure. What's that supposed to mean? She being a sort of loser, she's saying, oh, because we're under President Trump, uh, you know, women's values won't endure. Okay, it's such a losing mentality. Um, as far as women are concerned, okay, a lot of women voted for President Trump. A lot of women were elevated under Trump's businesses to the highest levels. That's a fact. Um, a fact, Clinton Foundation, women were paid less than men for the same job. The Clinton Foundation and the Clintons took money from Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, uh, not Iraq, excuse me, Qatar, Kuwait, okay, uh, the e, uh, EAE, um, or UAE, excuse me, United Arab uh, Emirates. They took money from these countries that tell women how to dress, how to drive, women can't leave the house without a male supervision. They absolutely have no rights. They live under Sharia law where women are can't do anything can't make money um if you if a woman um has sexual relations with a man outside of her marriage or stoned to death gay marriage and gay rights there are no gay rights you're actually uh, penalized uh, to the death penalty 
in Saudi Arabia and a lot of these uh, terror nations that we banned. Well, not Saudi Arabia, although we should ban them. Um, but Iran. Uh, and, you know, there's a death penalty for being gay. Women can't do anything without a male supervision. But the Clintons take millions and millions of dollars from them. The Women's March, vile behavior. The language that came out of there. They're worried about what Trump's saying about our enemies when he says we're going to knock the you-know-what out of our enemy, our radical Islamic terrorism, which you refuse to say. Um, the vile behavior at the Women's March, um, the language, the we're going to blow up the White House, Madonna, um, the celebrities who um, had the gall to tell people how to vote, it worked to the adverse effect. Um, they excluded women, the Women's March, who were pro-life. So you could march with us as long as you agree with us. As long as you fit in, then, you know, then you're part of us. That basically was the message. And for Clinton to get up there, first of all, she should go away. But um, for her to say our rights, opportunities, and our values, we'll see if they endure. Who are you? To say that when you take money from countries who have no rights for women, there are no women's rights in Saudi Arabia, Iran, Qatar, Kuwait, United Arab Emirates. Women are paid less on your foundation, which, by the way, donations are down. I wonder why. Probably because they don't have to curry favor anymore because you're not in a position of power, Mrs. Clinton. Women, uh, she said, women need uh, strong women need to step up and speak out. Yeah, I agree. But that also means that they have the right to think for themselves and think politically however they want. They don't need to be a liberal. They could be a conservative. They could have mixed beliefs. Let them make the decision. Don't tell them how to think. You know, women wanted a march, the women's march, but they were turned away because they were pro-life. To me, that's not very pro-woman, is it? <laughs> All right, so anyway, we went uh, a while on this podcast, but uh, a lot of information. Uh, again, you have the um, court will uh, determine this week about um, whether or not uh, this stay, this uh, order, will be upheld. Um, and if it is... Because you have two liberal justices on the court, um, two that were appointed. One was appointed by Jimmy Carter, one was appointed by Obama, one was appointed by George W. Bush. And two out of three um, to rule that uh, it was inappropriate, the restraining order on the immigration and refugee suspension. So we'll see what happens. Um, that'll come out later this week. We'll talk about it. Uh, a lot this week, we're very busy working on content for you to tell you what you need to know every day, telling it the way it is, and uh, we'll continue the podcast tomorrow, the show on Sunday. We have a lot planned for that as well. We'll be talking about immigration, anything that pops up. Um, and so we thank you for subscribing and tuning in uh, to the Neil A. Cruiser Show podcast, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>